Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Praise God. We do appreciate Pastor Omar and, and, and Sister Letty. I'll tell you, they're such a great couple, and we've met a lot of couples in our lifetime. And it was their humility, uh, their gracefulness, and there's just their caring spirit that really won us over. We weren't going to link with anyone. And uh, we were out in the desert, but because of their heart, we said, you know what, we can link hearts with you guys. And it was such a blessing to come in here and uh, assist with him, just co-labor with him and, and get the vision. And he calmed me down. And so, <laughs> and so, uh, so we we're blessed, amen, amen. So I'm thinking, what the heck am I going to preach after conference? Woo! So this is a very basic, 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 basic sermon, but it's going to go somewhere, so stay with me. But my son was sharing a, a, a story with me, and, and uh, he, goes, uh, he goes, I'm using it. I'm like, well, I'm just stealing it too. And so you never tell a story to a pastor because they will use it. <laughs> and so he's talking about uh, this king is coming down to his chamber, and and it's a dark chamber. This is back before we have lights. And so they had all these mirrors set up so that it would reflect the light. I'm not sure if you guys have heard this already. Somebody used it already? No? Maybe? All right. And so, and so the king's coming down. And as so the, the chamberlain, he's walking through. And he finds one of the mirrors that's broken. And so it's not radiating the light in the room. And so he starts stressing out. He goes, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And so he goes through and begins to break all the mirrors. And he hits the light down and it shines on all the broken pieces and it radiates the whole room and it creates this huge mosaic paint, a uh, uh, picture of light. And as the king goes down, he goes, oh my God, look how radiant it is. It's, it's in here because he was able to use those broken pieces. And how many know we're all broken pieces, but thank God that God's light shines on us and it gives us a, and we begin to reflect God's light to the world. And I'm preaching this particular sermon and I had something else and God said, no, you're, you're, this one, this one, this one, this one. I was like, God, but God, and he goes, no, this one. Because how many know after conference, we get the excitement. How many's got the adrenaline going? How many, how many are excited for Jesus right now? But how many know after a week conference, we're tired? We're weary. And it's so easy to forget that we just had an awesome week of conference. So I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit moves and that God will be able to use this sermon to stir your hearts uh, and, and, and be that light that radiates God's glory around the world. So Father, we just thank you right now for the opportunity, God. Father God, to just minister your word. God, I pray the Holy Spirit have his way. Father, I pray that you will help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Father, help me to be sensitive to his guidance right now. As we turn this service over to you, Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Galatians chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this sermon, I, I actually used at my church. It was a whole series. And so maybe I'll give it to Pastor Omar, Pastor Isaac, or Rob, one of those finished the, the, the series. But it's, um, it's sozo. And... 
A lot of people don't know. Anybody ever heard of Sozo? Except for the theologian over here. Theologian over here, okay. <laughs> so you have to be a theologian to actually know this word. So let's look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, and then 1 Corinthians 1, 18. So Galatians 1, 4 says, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, and that's a, when you study that word saved there, it's sozo, uh, S-O-Z-O, but it's actually uh, pronounced sozo, like, it's, like there's a D in there. It is the power of God. And so the first thing I want to look at is salvation. Because Jesus gave himself to deliver us from this present world, not just to get us to heaven. Praise God, we're going to heaven, but how many know I'm here and I'm now? We're not in heaven yet. This is the here and now. And Jesus also came to deliver you, to protect you, to provide for you and I in this physical world right now. This is why I, I want to look at this word sozo because it's, in the Greek word, it's, uh, sozo is used over a hundred times in the New Testament. The Greek word uh, sozo is used 38 times in, in reference just to forgiveness of sins. In Matthew 1, 21, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save, and that's the word sozo, his people from their sins. 1 Corinthians 1, 21, that I just read, for after that is the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save sozo, them that believe, and in Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to save them to the othermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So as I begin to study this word, it's translated 53 other times as saved in the, in the past tense or, or of a forgiveness of sins. And then it's also translated into healed. In Mark 5.23, Jairus besought Jesus greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed. That's the word sozo. And she shall live. Also used here to, to heal Jairus' life. And, and it refers to more than just healed. Because we know that Jairus' daughter had died. So it's more than just a physical healing. It's even more so a resurrection from the dead. And the third translation translates to deliverance from demons or demon possession. And that's found in Luke 8.36. They also which saw it told them by what means that he was possessed of devils and was healed. Sozo. Or delivered. So sozo, when you begin to study it, means saved, healed, and delivered. So when people say they're still struggling with things, uh, it's baggage that they don't want to let go. Because when Jesus, how many know the blood of Jesus takes care of everything? Everything. Everything. 
There is no baggage that's left on unless it's baggage that you want to keep on. See, the Bible says we're being saved. We will be saved or have been saved. Which, which one is it? It's all three of them. We have been saved. The blood of Jesus washes, cleanses. How many know we're being saved? How many know we're st he's still working in our lives? We're not perfect. And how many know we will be saved when he comes and raptures us and takes us up to heaven with him? You know, I, I've started to rephrase my, my words. It's not I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. No, I'm waiting for the rapture. I'm waiting for the rapture. If I'm here when Jesus comes back, I'm in big trouble. Okay, he's going to come right. We're going to meet him up there. He's not coming down. We're going up. And so here our bodies, uh, the Bible says our bodies will be saved. Uh, our souls are being saved and our spirits have been saved. That Greek word sozo. Like I, I mentioned, it's, it's pronounced sozo, S-O-D-Z-O, but it's actually spelled S-O-Z-O. It means to be made whole. Spirit, soul, and bodies. Our bodies are being made whole. And so, well, pastor, how come not, I, say, I still have sickness? Well, we still live in a sinful world. That's why he, we, 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 we activate the gift of healing to allow people to get touched and, 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 and healed from this world. We're still living in this world. But we want to be completely restored and in a right relationship with God. And so the question comes, have you been saved? What would you say? I mean, because I, I, I ask this question because some, well, how do you know you're saved? Is that a good question? Because how I many a lot of people don't know, how, well, I'm just saved. How, how do you know you're saved? Because I believe. That's how the Bible says. I mean, no, we can compl complicate the Bible. It's very simple. It says, whoever shall call upon my name shall be saved. How many know it's the new generation of Christians that came up with the, the sinner's prayer? But how many know there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible? It just says to believe. And I want to look at, at being saved this morning and discuss, uh, um, like I said, I, I could give the, 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 the rest, but it, it's important that we understand what, what salvation really is. And, and, and this, is, this is just a real small part of the sermon. It, everything else is coming Okay, but the, the theological, and I'm not theologian, I, 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 I wish I was smarter, but I'm not, so I had to look this up. That's why we, we depend on, on Pastor Rob. He, he, he's, our, he's our theologian. I, I always reference him. He's just, he's so smart, and so I got to, but it means deliverance from sin and its consequences, Believed by Christians to be brought about by faith in Christ. So how many know it's far more than just deliverance from sin and its consequences? It's a way of life. It is a gift. It is not a goal to be achieved. It is a gift from God. It's eternal life. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
is a gift of eternal life. How long is eternity? Forever. So this is a gift that's going to last us for all eternity. It's forgiveness. It's justification. Romans 3.23, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's righteousness. Oh, you, you, you're too righteous. Yes, I'm, I, I got the righteousness of Jesus. Outside of Jesus, I'm a carnal, nasty sinner, but thank God the blood of Jesus makes me righteous. Not the righteousness of the Pharisees, but the righteousness of Jesus. Romans 4.23, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What is righteousness? It is the right standing with God. So right standing with God. How many know it's good to be in a right standing with God? It is redemption. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, uh, which are God's. We have been redeemed. How many know all those things are so great? But I, now, now here comes the, the, the shift in the, in the whole story is that we have a real enemy that's trying very, very hard every single day, day and night, to discourage you, to rob you from all the benefits of what salvation brings. You have a real devil that every day is before God trying to accuse you and I of things that we might have not even done and said. He's constantly accusing you, trying to discourage you, trying to get you to not reap the benefits of salvation. Isn't that great? We have benefits being saved. Ephesians 2 8, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of your soul. It's a gift of God. In Psalms 103, 12, uh, from the New Living Testament, it says, He has removed our sins as far as from the east as from the west. Listen, we have a devil that wants you and I to get mad at God. We have a real devil that wants to confuse you, to stir doubt in your life, to cause discouragement to come upon you, to get you angry. Why? Has anybody ever been mad at God? How many know when you're mad at God, you can't really call out to God? How many know when you're mad at God or you're doubting or you're discouraged, how many know you become ineffective? See, God is constantly trying to win you and I to him so that you can reap the benefits uh, of what his son did on Calvary's cross. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He says, I've done my part. He goes, I've washed you. I've cleansed you. My son died on Calvary's cross. You've been redeemed. You're righteous. He 
See, he gave us the Bible so as we read it, we begin to understand that the devil's plan, secondly here, is to wear out the saints. He wants to wear you out. Because he knows that when you're tired, how many know we make bad decisions? That's why that God really, he really stirred me for this sermon. Honestly, if we're going to get to it, you'll see why. Why? Because we're, we get tired. We're weary. How many know the pandemic took out a lot? It wore out the saints. It wore out Christian churches. It wore out pastors. There's been more pastor suicides this last year and a half than ever before. How many know there's been more Christian suicides than ever before? How many know there's been more teenage suicides than ever before? Las Vegas itself, uh, they said they've had, they, they counted in the last year and a half, three times, uh, times three more uh, suicides than any, at, at any other time in, his, in their history. I want to watch a first video here. And it's on Neil Seals training. Uh, I'm finally going to give some of my brothers some props here, the Navy Seals. that will stress you beyond your limits to make sure you're worthy to serve the world's second best fighting force. <laughs> the article didn't say that, but I had to throw that in there because we know the reality of this. I want to, uh, you know, my wife said, you know, you need to be honest when you preach. And so I'm just, re I'm being honest here. It says, be prepared, stay focused, make mature choices and understand what you're volunteering for. SEAL training prepares you for the extreme physical and mental challenges uh, of SEAL missions. Uh, if you're up to the challenge, uh, you'll be in incredible physical shape and possess the confidence, determination, and skills needed to succeed in today's environment. And so the instructor's job is to mentally challenge them to see if they break push-up after push-up, to, to wear them out, to, to make them weary, to make bad decisions and force them and cause them to go up there and ring the bell, not once, not twice, but three times. They're saying, I've had enough. I can't take this no more. I'm at my breaking point. See, the instructors don't ring the bell for them. They just taunt them. They taunt them. You've had enough, brother. Come on. Go ring the bell. Look at you. Look at, look at the message you're in now. Go ring the bell. See, during the training, if you don't finish one of the obstacles, so you give up, but you don't ring the bell, then, uh, or a time course or a long swim, then you're thrown into the circus. That's two extra hours of working out all while the instructors are yelling at you. It's called the circus. Two more hours of extreme harshness. Can I tell you something, Christians? If you want to be a world changer, then you can't be afraid of the circus. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of those dark times. Don't be afraid when the devil is really coming at you from all angles. The mind battles, the physical battles, 
the lying battles, the discouragement. No, I'm preaching this from, from someone that's been in a few circuses. You know, being in the cave, and she's really not joking. We're in the cave by ourselves. All our friends have cut us off. And then, you know, thank God we've been Pastor Omar and Lethe, and we, we go up in Puyallup, but then my wife dealing with skin cancer. How many know when you hear the word cancer, you just, uh, equals death. That's all we think about. That's all. And so here we have all these battles in the midst of trying to, to do something for God. He goes, it's a reality. The circus is a reality. It's when you're tested, uh, what are you really made of? See, you're, you and I are called to stay strong, to, to fight the fight. Ephesians chapter 6, 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having then done all, to stand. It might not be straight. It might be a little crooked and tipping tip down, but, but at least you're there. In the end of the day, you will find that you can make it. You're stronger than what you really think because, because you, uh, you, you need to realize that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And as you go in this Christian life and, 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 and as you begin to mature, you begin to realize that you're a lot stronger today because of the things that you went through yesterday, last year, five years ago, ten years ago. How many know Pastor Omar and Sister Letty aren't the same when they first got saved? How many know they're not the same, the same as they were when they sent out their first church? If we could look into their spiritual lives, open, tear open the, the curtains, uh, you'd see battle scars all over the place that you and I don't see, but they know about. See, but the power and the grace that, 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 that is over their lives is that they don't show those battle scars. They allowed God to heal them. So you can throw salt, throw sand, do whatever you want. Those things are healed and they're strong and who they are today because of all the stuff they've gone through the years. You want an example? There you are. Don't look at the TV, guys. Don't look at all these. Uh, oh, but they, oh, the mega. The, you know, I laughed the other day. Somebody showed me, Pastor, look. He had a million dollars worth of jewelry stolen from him while he's preaching. Y'all didn't hear that one? New York City is like, what the heck? I mean, no, I'm not called to be flamboyant in this. No, I'm called to just be humble, man. Just like, I don't want people to know my name. I'm not important. It's who lives in me and speaking through me. That's who's important. Honestly, I told people when we were in our prayer, I was like, if you feel the anointing and I'm calling for it, come now and pray. Don't hit me up later because you have the Holy Spirit anointing me to pray for you right now. If you ask me later on, it's just going to be Dave Tejadina praying for you and you're not going to get nothing. You might get worse. How many know it's a reality? Outside of God, I have nothing to offer. 
If I don't have the anointed, I'm in big, you're in big trouble. I came to the realization, without God, I can do nothing. And I know my place. I tried, God, give me anointed so I can sing. He goes, oh, no, 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 get over here. <laughs> it didn't work. It's this confidence that begins to grow in you that you begin to realize the, the truth of Paul's scripture in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you begin to realize, not me, because I'm pretty weak. That's why the devil just, he, he know, how many know he knows the right bait for all of us? I want to read this quote from Admiral Mac Raven about the recruits that endure the circus. He says, well done, gentlemen. It looks like all that extra pain and suffering paid off. McRaven's point is sharing the story is that many of us will face a lot of circuses in life. Uh, we will often pay for our failures, uh, but if we let those failures teach us and strengthen our resolve, uh, we will be prepared to handle life's toughest moments. I mean, no, failure can make you stronger if you learn from it. Christians, if you want to change the world, then you and I need to be at our very best at our darkest moments. Because how many know they will come? And that's when you begin to realize that my confidence is not in me. My confidence is in Christ who loves me and cares about me. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and insulted hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, when I realize who I am and how easily I want to quit and give up everything that, that, that I have, I begin to realize that I am strong, that I have the Holy Spirit living in me and there is no demon in hell that can stop the work of God that is working in my life. So now I want to show the second video here because it, it, it gives a very strong point on, on, on something that you and I need this morning. Able to do the sit-ups and the push-ups and all that kind of stuff, no problem, but it takes big mental effort to get through. We actually had a couple Olympic athletes and they quit. So what is it that brings a guy to the end besides durability and his body being able to handle it is grit. And how do you measure grit? You have to put them in uncomfortable situations where other people are relying on them. Putting a boat on their head and making them run down the beach in extreme pain. The log PT that I'm sure you've seen. Or land warfare. The very basics of it is shooting and moving. I think we're able to do the sit-ups and the push-ups and all that kind of stuff, no problem, but it takes big mental effort to get through. We actually had a couple Olympic athletes and they quit. So what? In psychology, grit is a positive non-cognitive trait based on individuals' perseverance of effort combined with a passion for a peculiar long-term goal or end state. And so, I mean, that's a powerful motivation right there. 
Okay, this perseverance or of effort promotes the overcoming of obstacles or challenges that lie in our path to accomplish and serves as a divine uh, driving force in achieving realization. And so grit is courage and resilience. What does having grit mean? And the article goes on. To have grit means you have the courage and show the strength of your character. A person with true grit has passion and perseverance. Goals are set and followed through. A person who works really hard to follow through on commitments has true grit. How many know as Christians we need grit? I found this quote, it says, wherever you have to do, find an excuse to win, keep going. Got to find an excuse. I got to dig deep inside sometime because I know that I have a, a real enemy. How many know he's not a little red guy with a pitchfork? So I'm going to look at a couple things real quick. One, don't ring the bell. You know, I would like it if Christians are going to backslide and leave and just, I wish they would ring the bell. But how many know, usually they go out slyly. Well, I'm not getting fed here anymore. Ding, 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 ding. I'm more mature that th this church can provide. Bing, bing, bing. I don't get to hang out with the pastor. Bing, bing, bing. I was offended. Bing, bing, bing. Aren't you offended at your job? Do you quit? <laughs> that sermon was right at me. He, he, he's preaching to me. Ding, ding, ding. We're too busy to be looking at people's lives, too. <laughs> I barely have time. I'm like, babe, let's just go on a date so we can have some time together. We're so busy and overwhelmed. But how many know people, you know, they ring the bell silently. But how many know we notice? People notice. Because everyone in here, you have influence. You're vital in the kingdom of God. You're vital. You're that broken glass that was placed here to reflect God's glory in Paramount. Oh, is this, is this making sense? Is this working out? I just want to make sure. So check out what Paul said in Philippians 2, 4. He goes, let, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. It's a mindset of champions. That I realize that I'm important in the kingdom of God. I'm, I, I come to the conclusion that I am serving God, not for my benefit, for, for the benefit of others. I mean, no, that's putting on Jesus. He says, I didn't come here to be this famous leader. I've come to serve. I've come to lay down my life for many and as we begin to become leaders, we begin to serve God, as we begin to mature and realize that I can't ring the bell. There's too much at stake. 
See, we need to realize, we need to realize Jesus died on the cross and how easily we walk away from that. He sacrificed, he laid down his life for us and I'm so easily offended by the little things and I begin to ring the bell and walk away never realizing the price that Jesus paid to give me that life. And you know, the, the, the thing is, even when I ring the bell, he's still there trying to win me over. He's still there trying to woo me because he never gives up on us. That's the power of God. I mean, I've had people give up on you, but God doesn't give up on you. He'll go to the very end trying to woo you back, trying to win you over. Why? Because he has a mindset of a champion and he wants you and I to have the mindset of a champion. That's That's the importance of team. It's the importance of each other. See, one of the things that the devil knows, if anybody hasn't heard the 1965 radio broadcast by Paul Harvey, look it up. If you need it, I'll, I'll send it to someone. And then, but he mentioned, if I was the devil, I would do this and this, and, and he's doing it right now. You know, one of the, the, the greatest tools of the devil is isolation. It started with Eve. He isolated her. How many know if he isolates us, we can't sharpen each other? Bible says iron sharper. What do you mean that you're not? What do you mean you're not getting favor? What the? And so he knows that. He knows that. He knows that if I go go talk to Pastor Isaac or or Pastor Rob or Pastor Omar Jr. over here. <laughs> Woo! That, that's that's an anointed man right there, man. And so he knows. That if he can isolate me, he can deceive me. Because by ourselves, we are a lot weaker than what we think. In our minds, how I many know we're, we're strong? I can make it through anything. No, it's God's grace that's helped you get through where you're at right now. I'm not going to go through the whole thing of 1 Corinthians 12, but he's talking about we're all body members. You're important in the kingdom of God. So don't forsake your brothers. I love Pastor Omar's sermon last night. You know what? It's great watching online, but it's not very anointing, anointed. There's something about being together. In Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some, but extorting one another as so much the, and so much more as you see the day approaching. He says, you need the fellowship of the brethren. You better get connected with someone, especially in the last days, because in the last days, there's going to be a lot of deception. Right is wrong, and wrong is right. And take the hard path. Don't always take the easy path. How many know leaving is always the easier path? You need to stay strong. Get rooted. It's the roots that's going to get you uh, 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 fed. Because I want to tell you, you have a real enemy. It's called the devil, and he is the real big, nasty D.I. D.I. means drill instructor. Whose task is to make you feel unsaved. As if God has discarded you to the side. As if God has, has really forsaken you. Has anybody ever thought of the craziness of that? 
He sent his son Jesus to die on Calvary's cross for you and I. Why would he leave us? Why would he forsake us? See, somewhere along the lines, we got to get mad and say, you know what, devil? I, I have some grit. I have some resilience. I have some confidence. And I'm going to tell you, I want to walk around like Paul as he wrote Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I know who I am. I am a child of God. I'm not going to give up. It's a mindset. I'm saved. It's not once saved, always saved. But no, I have this confidence that I'm saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm striving. I'm not going to ring the bell. Yes, I might be down. I might have had a bad day. I might have had some struggles in this life. But Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say then? Uh, See these things. If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things and then he says who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword and then I love 37 yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us do you know what that means is that no matter what you're going through, you're already victorious. You just need to keep on walking. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter the failures that you've experienced. God has already made you more than a conqueror. He, he, what that's saying is his victory is already your victory. He's already done it. The price has been paid. All you got to do is keep on walking. Yes, there's struggles. Yes, there's distress. Yes, there's persecutions. But it's building me up. And it's showing. It's showing that Christianity is real. That just like much training separate the sheep from the goats, so do the trials and the tribulations of this world begin to separate and really show, you know what, God, I really love you and I really believe in you. I want to close with this. It's just in the quiz. B.C. Forbes said, history has demonstrated that the most notable winners usually encountered heartbreaking obstacles before they triumphed. They won because they refused to become discouraged by their defeats. Norman Vincent Peale said, it's always too soon to quit. God has a plan, a destiny for every single person that's in this place. You might not see it, but God has already worked it out. He's already planned it out. And I believe it was, it was Pastor Omar that said, I mean, it was, that was such a great sermon, man is there's people that you're going to touch that I can't touch, he can't touch, Pastor Isaac can't touch, uh, John can't touch, uh, no, no one can touch, only you. You are their pathway. You are that connection that they so need. Something I realize in life, and, 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 and Galatians 6 and I has, has become so real to Linda and I as, as we stuck it out. 
Let us not become weary in doing good. For at that proper time, we will reap at the harvest if we do not give up. See, we decided to get some grit. We decided not to give up. We decided not to turn away. And I want to tell you right now, we, we've entered into to such a time of blessing in our lives. Because we didn't give up. We didn't quit. We say, God, it's too valuable what you want to do through our lives. It's too valuable to, to call it quits, to give up. Oh, God, it's too valuable for us to be greedy and stay here with be, because of our children. Uh, uh, no, God, you know what? You called it. We, we, we need to go ahead and go and make that sacrifice. We need to do what you've called us to do. See, that, that's what's called not my will, but your will be done. It's when you begin to realize that your life's a lot bigger than what you realize. See, the devil will make you realize that you're such a small person. You're insignificant. You're nobody. Who are you? But in God's eyes, you're that broken piece that I've restored. I've, re I've reshaped. I've renewed. And you're a reflection of my life. You're a reflection of what my son did on Calvary's cross. How dare you say you're small and insignificant. You're great in my eyes. He says, you're the most valuable thing in my life. What? I'm not valuable. I'm, not, I'm nothing. Let me know that's the lie of the devil. I'm going to close with this. I want you to listen to this. If you weren't valuable, why did God send his son to die for you? That's his love for you. That shows value. If you're dying for somebody, how many know that shows value? You're so valuable in the eyes of God. Your calling, your destiny, your life, everything you do is so valuable. Don't ever let anyone discredit or try to label you something smaller. You're great in the eyes of God. You're great in this world. You have a purpose. You have a destiny in God. Hallelujah. That's, that's my sermon to this morning. But I want to make a call. I used to say people, every head, body, every clothes. But I don't do that no more. You know why? Because this is important. Salvation is important. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not right with Jesus. You're not right with God. I want to tell you, this is the most important decision that you're ever going to make in your entire life. This is bigger than choosing a husband or a wife. This is more important than choosing the right car, a home. I'm talking about eternity. This decision you're about to make right now is going to weigh out in eternity giving your life to Christ. Maybe you're here this morning. You're not saved. You're not right with Jesus. Jesus said, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth the name of Jesus, very simple, and they believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. That's simple. That's you this morning. You're not saved. You're not right with God. Would you raise up your hand? Okay, right up right back now. Right up and right back down to say, that's me. I see that hand back there. I see that hand. Praise God, brother. Anybody else who join this honest heart? How many know it takes an honest, a really challenge right here? But it's, it's, this, is real. this is eternity. This is eternity. We're talking big. Anybody else? Maybe you're backslidden this morning. Maybe you stopped. Maybe you got angry at God. It kind of pulled you away. 
this morning you're saying, you know what? I need to get my heart right with God. You lift up your hand. Anybody else in this place? Lift up your hand quickly. Run up, run back down. Praise God. Brother over here, did you mean that? Come on up here. Praise God, man. Praise God, bro. It's the greatest decision you're going to make, man. Peter here's going to I'll talk to the church here for just a moment. Let's all stand in this place. Maybe God's dealing with you. You need some grit. You need to, you need to make a stand. You say, God, I need that grit. God, I don't want to be uh, just an outcast. God, I want to do everything I can. I want to be a world changer. I want to do great things for God. That's you. I want you to make your way on up here. Don't wait for anybody else. Make your way on up here. Say, you know what? I, I want to make a difference. God, I want to be a world changer. God, I want to be, I need some grit. God, I need to, to dig down deep inside and say, God, I'm not going to allow things uh, to discourage me. I'm not going to be looking at other fields. Uh, but God, this is where I've been planted. Uh, God, this is where I want to grow. God, this is why uh, I want you to do your work in my life. You make your way out up here. As we begin, I'm going to turn it over uh, to our, our worship team and let them uh, just begin to worship. But, but there's something great inside your life. God's going to bring it out this morning. Praise God. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.